everybody you're listening to canary cry radio my name's basil and this is gons thanks for joining us for another episode Yes, we did it. We did it. We, we, we did it. This may be the last episode to come out for 2017. Although, I think if we hustle our bustle guns, we'll, we'll have one more out by the end of the year. But I don't know if we're ready to make that promise. I definitely don't want to make that promise. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather under-promise over-deliver. Give, than, give uh, them a, just a glimmer of hope, guns. I feel like we've done that and we've not done so well. Gons is a little grumpy right now. It's kind of late. It's kind of late, but that's okay. This is an awesome opportunity. We had to talk to Gary Bates and uh, Gons. Who's Gary Bates? Let us know. Well, we have a little intro that'll get into his background and everything, but he he made a film called Alien Intrusion and um, it was a good film. It's a good documentary. It's a good primer for all of the alien stuff from a Christian worldview. And he's uh, he's got a pretty extensive background in creation versus evolution. So it's interesting that he would pick up on the alien topic. But we talk about all that stuff. All right. Sounds good. I can't wait to get to it, everybody. I know you are just uh, got ants in your pants to check out what we've got for you. But before I do, before we do... Before us do, uh, why don't you head over to iTunes? Um, I recently had a conversation about somebody who, um, about somebody with somebody who said, "You know what? I don't, I don't know how it is. You, you, you guys don't have very many uh, ratings and reviews. You'd think you'd guys have a lot more." And I said, "I know. I would think we would have a lot more, but it's kind of a, you know, once you start asking people to open up a different application or to." write something or to take action on something. It's just kind of a lot to ask from people. But I want to let everybody know that actually when you leave a rating and review, Gons and I read it and we we enjoy it and it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy. It's not just for the algorithms, although it is also for the algorithms, but also it lets us know what you guys like and do not like about the show. Um, so please go to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, and that'll that'll just it'll just help everybody out a little bit. And it doesn't take that long; it takes about five seconds. Yeah, and most people already have an iTunes account, so it's not too difficult to figure out. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I know it that can seems... be kind of confusing. I mean, I, I have trouble every time I log into Facebook now. I don't know what is happening in Facebook There's anymore. Th- so I sense like a slight accusation in that tone, but. <laughs> Anyways, if you guys uh, why you go gotta, do that. Why you got to shade my thing with, with, <laughs> we, with false We would false greatly appreciate news. it. Okay. Gons, I know it'll make you happy. Mm. Merchandise. Ooh. <laughs> what Ooh. kind of merchandise? Um, yeah. So uh, uh, over the years, we have had people asking for t-shirts and merchandise and things like that. And the thing is that Gons and I just aren't really in the merchandise business. However, over the the many years we've been doing this podcast, we've developed quite a bit of art uh, for each episode and all sorts of other stuff. So what we're going to be doing is we opened up a Redbubble account. So if you go to redbubble.com and search for Canary Cry Radio, we'll also put a link to that in the show notes here. And if you've just been looking for that Canary Cry swag to sport around town, um, that we've we we are putting up more and more designs there. And you can the fun thing is you can get it in t-shirts or mugs or mouse pads or bags i think there's a duvet cover like a bedspread 
Somebody needs to get that on point. Um, but anyways, your wish has been granted. We are slowly rolling out more and more uh, designs. Right now, we've got the uh, Canary Cry logo shirt. We've got the Think Outside the Cage design. We've got, uh, I think we've got the interdimensional Bigfoot art from the Bigfoot episode. And you actually posted a, I guess it was a screenshot or something, or maybe just a link to it on Facebook. And... It was actually on a throw pillow, and yeah. um, I, I think it, it looks very comfortable. You, know, you can <laughs> rest, your, rest your head on a, a row of, what is it, transmutating Bigfoot or something going on? I don't know. What's Interdimensional happening. Bigfoot. There you go. Um, but yes, so go check that out. Red Bubble, search for Canary Cry Radio. We've, we're putting up more and more designs as the weeks go by. And so you're going to enjoy that very much. I think I just put up the Scientism Exposed merch from uh, the episode we did with Robbie Davidson. So that's going to be great. And, you know, uh, the art that we do for the show isn't very, you know, it's kind of cryptic, kind of weird, kind of uh, artistically you know, you kind of have to translate it yourself. So it's a good conversation starter. Yeah. You know, you've got a weird shirt with like some uh, interdimensional Bigfoot. It's going gonna, it's gonna to start conversations and it's going to let you uh, tell people about your favorite podcast. And I'm trying my best not to post branding all over the shirts. Just let the art speak for themselves. But, you know, a website might slip in there once in a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we just want to say, coming to the end of the year here, thank you all f- Everybody who supports the show financially, honestly, the, you guys are fantastic. It's the only reason that we can continue to do the show is because listeners, from great to small, uh, every little bit helps. And um, we're just very thankful for everybody who supports the show. You have our eternal gratitude. And uh, we feel that we we are putting your your uh, donations to work. We've got a bunch of big plans we've been talking about for a while, but you know things move slowly here in show business, eh, cons? Yeah, but you know what? Uh, the the wait will be worth it. I guarantee it. Yes, yes, that's a firm guarantee from firm, Gons. So gar- you know Gons it's going to be good. That's the Gons guarantee. Until uh, uh, I get I get pulled by the baby and yep you know, she's and just so cute <laughs> that's true I'm babies sorry, are she, cute babies are way cuter than than editing podcasts <laughs> slightly it's just a whole different nominally world. cuter <laughs> um okay oh but just so everybody keep a heads up you can go to canarycryradio.com slash support that's where you can support the show show your love for the show do we still um, some, have the uh usb uh, we have that second round that came in, so we still have some. We are still taking the $15 a month donations for the USB drive. If you have donated that $15 and you have not yet received your USB, send me an, an email. I think I'm almost entirely caught up on that. And if you haven't received it, you've slipped through the cracks somehow. So email canarycryradio at gmail.com. But keep an eye out for that support page. We have a whole new structure coming. I think it's going to be really fun. I think you guys are really going to like it. Also, we just remembered we have an email list. That's true. Yeah, we we've uh, had an email list since the beginning, and it's grown quite large. Yeah, quite a few of you guys have signed up, and we have sent out emails in the past, but I believe it's been at least two years now. 
since the last yeah week. you know i think what we're what i would like to do guns and we got to wrap this up because this is a long intro but i think what i would like to do is um you know we get a lot of people sending us questions on facebook or mainly facebook a lot of them on emails and a lot of them are the same questions and I'm thinking maybe we could start doing like a newsletter uh, to send out all of the uh, 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 the new merch and episodes for all of our shows that come out, including Canary Cry News Talk and the Joy Spiracy Theory and Face Like the Sun YouTube. We got a lot of material coming out all the time, um, but I think it might be a fun way to answer questions. And so uh, keep a lookout for those emails and you might see some of your questions answered. Uh, and it seems like a lot of you guys want to talk about the same stuff. So that might be a good way to do it. Um, and uh, just to wrap up the intro here, Canary Cry News Talk is still going strong, everybody. Um, you guys have responded very well to it. We're still doing it. We're, we crossed the year mark, a couple, I think, a couple months ago. And um, yeah, so if you have not yet checked out Canary Cry News Talk, it is a real fun half hour show uh, that happens every single week. You know, we may not post all the time here, but Canary Cry News Talk, that's where it's at. If you need your weekly Basil and Gons's uh, uh, dive into what's happening in the world. Also, we, we've got a Patreon set up for Canary Cry News Talk, and uh, you can get a extended report every week as well if you uh, sign up to support that Patreon. Now, just to clarify, that extended report is not just like the extra gunk that we cut out of the actual episode. It's an entire separate episode. So we do two episodes of Canary Cry News Talk every week, and you can catch both of them by going to uh, patreon.com slash ccnt. That's right. Okay. Is that is that a good intro? Did we did we finish? I think we covered everything, yeah. Okay, sorry about that, guys. We had a lot of housekeeping to do. Um, but now that that's over, get ready, because it's time for Mr. Gary Bates and the Alien Intrusion. They really can't physically be getting here from another planet. The evidence suggests that they're spiritual and interdimensional. And as I said, the Bible records those entities. Tell me why you ended up working for a program that the Pentagon didn't even want to admit existed. It was the Defense Department's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. It wasn't about UFO hunters. You were looking for explanations to things that were unexplained. Uh, yes, that's correct, Mr. Uh, Belshi. We basically uh, were brought into the program initially to identify and try to figure out some of these uh, phenomena that were flying around our military aircraft and our locations and basically try to collect enough data where we could make some positive analysis and identify what these things were. As a result of my involvement, I was able to ascertain that the United States government knew a whole lot more about UFOs than it was telling the American public. That there was an intelligence involved, that there was a highly evolved technology. I learned that to a degree, we were carrying on a dialogue with this intelligence. What you're about to see here is a statement from Jean-Claude Juncker, the EU Commission President, and this clip's from June 28, 2016 at European Parliament. Now essentially what this guy goes on to state is that he is buddy-buddy with extraterrestrial space aliens from other planets who are supposedly worried about the future of the EU. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Les dirigeants d'autres planètes, ils sont très inquiets parce qu'ils s'interrogent sur la voie 
que l'Union européenne va poursuivre. This is Canary Cry Radio. Hey everybody, you're listening to Canary Cry Radio. My name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 123. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see that one coming. Is that all you can come up with on a 123? Yeah, <laughs> it's too early in the morning. It's right pretty now. weak. <laughs> I think it speaks for itself. There you go. Evolution seems to be at the heart of the debate concerning how we got here, where we're from, and what it all means. Science in its purest form, which is pursuit of knowledge about God's creation, was infiltrated by nefarious institutions who uh, began to sponsor and promote the doctrine of evolution, building a fortress of intellectual confinement that now restricts the worldview of many intelligent people. And to help fight off this mind parasite of an idea, we are grateful for men like Gary Bates. Gary has been uh, speaking about creation and evolution since 1990, which means we were just uh, we were tiny little things, Basil, back when he started doing this. He served yeah. as the CEO of Creation Ministries International for many years, and more recently, he's been involved in uh, some more projects like co-writing and producing an award-winning documentary, Evolution's Achilles Heels, and being a, a part of the film we're going to talk about today, Alien Intrusion, Unmasking of Deception, certainly an appropriate title given we live in an age of deceit. Welcome, Gary, to Canary Cry Radio. Thank you, guys. It's great to be with you. Now, where are you located at this moment? Uh, I'm at, uh, located in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, so listeners can tell I have a deep southern accent. <laughs> but, I was uh, say. I'm actually from a bit further south originally. Uh, my home country is Australia. And uh, I've been in the U.S. since about 2009, heading up the U.S. office for CMI, creation.com, Creation Ministries International. Awesome. Uh, now, I want to, before we de do a deep dive into the film and what you guys are uh, talking about there, why don't you tell us a little bit about Creation Ministries International? What are you guys up to? Well, thank you. Yeah, we are a creation uh, apologetics ministry or a Christian apologetics ministry that uh, specializes and focuses on the book of Genesis and our origins. And, uh, you know, I didn't get saved until I was an adult. And like most people, uh, even most Christians, I was educated in the public realm. And so I was brought up to believe that evolution was a fact. It was a scientific fact. And so the reason I mention that is, you know, even in this country, most people have only ever heard one view. And so I did get saved. I became a Christian. But I can remember that within even a couple of weeks of my salvation, because of my evolutionary background, I started reinterpreting the book of Genesis. You know, maybe the days in Genesis could be long periods of time. And I started to look for ideas of how to fit, you know, evolution and millions of years, what I thought was science, into the Bible, uh, because that's all I'd ever been taught. And my experience now in ministry after some over 25 years, and I've got seven of us here in the U.S. office that go out and speak in 350 churches a year on average, most Christians try to fit those evolutionary or long age ideas, deep time, millions of years 
into the Bible somehow. And the reality is we don't need to, because when I went to my first creation meeting, I can tell you, I thought my head was going to explode because one is I never realized where the idea, the secular idea of millions of years came from. And when that was explained to me uh, in light of the Bible's history, it made so much more sense. So it was literally, you know, my second Damascus Road conversion, the scales fell off and I was suddenly free to see you know, God's creation in the light of biblical history all around me. You know, when we look at mountain ranges with thousands of meters of sedimentary rock, sedimentary rock means these are, you know, minute layers believed to be laid down by water or dust. You look at the Grand Canyon, you've got hundreds of millions of layers there, and they say, well, each layer takes about a year. Therefore, the Grand Canyon is hundreds of millions of years old. But we've seen geologic events like the famous one up in Mount St. Helens in Washington State in 1980, that volcanic eruption not only covered the state in darkness for two, two weeks as a result of volcanic dust, but it laid down bands of strata catastrophically, you know, mini Grand Canyons, if you like, in a matter of hours, <laughs> not, not hundreds or thousands of years. And so when you look at the Bible's history and you say, well, all around the world, I see sedimentary layers, rock, rock strata, we're told that's evidence for an ancient earth, but then the Bible says there was a global flood. You know, the whole world that was perished, Scripture says, and we now know from, science, from events that we've been able to witness and scientifically document that these same bands of strata could be laid down quickly. So once that concept was stripped away, everything else came tumbling with it because in all that rock strata, there are fossils. And we're told that those fossils, you know, that are at the, the, the deepest rock strata are more ancient and creatures above them in the rock strata evolved from their ancestors and so on and so forth. But if all of that rock strata, the majority of it was laid down simultaneously in one event, not only is there no millions of years, there's no biological evolution of all those creatures in the rock strata. Mm. There's no time there. And... You know, this is what our ministry does, uh, Creation Ministries International. We've got offices in seven countries. I think we employ more scientists than any Christian ministry in the world. And our scientists got their PhDs and their degrees in the very same secular universities as their evolutionary counterparts. So the, the science is not the issue. I mean, you mentioned that, Basil. You know, science is about inquiry and investigation wherever you go. I can do a scientific experiment you know, while I'm talking to you to test the theory of gravity, right, I can throw my pen up in the air and catch it. But there's no scientific experiment you can do, one, to prove the age of the Earth. People think radiometric dating can do it. It, it cannot. There's no scientific experiment you can do to prove that apes evolved into human-like creatures two million years ago or dinosaurs evolved from birds 65 million years ago. We have the same rocks, the same fossils, the same facts, but based upon your presupposition, your worldview, your glasses that you've been exposed to and taught, you will always interpret the data according to your particular worldview. And of course, my worldview has changed. I use the lens of the Bible now to interpret the world. And that same lens, believe it or not, what we're going to talk about is what I was able to use to uh, interpret the UFO phenomenon as well. Excellent. Yeah, it's definitely really interesting to uh, hear you talk about these things because I remember in my journey of coming to understand similar to kind of what you were explaining, how 
some of the the scientific quote unquote facts about you know how things are and where we come from and all these things seem to have you know the fallacy of uniformitarianism you know that everything uh, is always the same and that everything that's measured now you know has the same effect in the past i think it's really fascinating that you have this experience you have this uh, growth and knowledge and, and perception and change and all this stuff and now you come to this place where you're looking at the ufo phenomenon it seems like a little out of left field how does it connect to everything <laughs> that you're talking about before yeah, and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to say that because uh, the, mo the movie is screening on January the 11th in the US in 732 theatres. We never set out to make it as a movie release. Um, and, you know, a lot of Christians are leery about the subject. Well, I, why would I want to go and see something like that? But the gospel is front and centre uh, in all of this because evolution replaces man's origins. If, if we're not created by God and evolution is true, then, you know, we, you and I are basically just evolved pond scum with no meaning and purpose in life. And when we die, nothing happens. There's no life after death. You know, I, I kind of call that the three big questions, you know, what we all talk about. You know, where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? And of course, with God's creator, we were created with meaning and purpose. And, you know, the decisions we make in this life are going to affect where, where we spend eternity. So the origins issue, and the reason I mention that, is key to developing somebody's worldview, how they interpret the world. In other words, the answer to question one forms the basis for your answer for questions two and three. Right. So when we look at the UFO phenomenon, and to give you an example, um, yeah, the movie is based upon my book called Alien Intrusion, UFOs and the Evolution Connection which, believe it or not, after 12 years, still ranks in the top 50 of UFO books on Amazon. It actually was an Amazon top 50 bestseller in its own right mm -hmm. because the whole issue of sci-fi and aliens that permeate our, our TVs and, and media. Um, for example, Star Wars is coming out in the next couple of days, the, the new one. Mm -hmm. And even when we look at those weird and wonderfully shaped you know, aliens on in that movie, the reason the underlying premises of why they have different body shapes is that they've evolved differently on their planet. Evolution took a left turn or a right turn different to here on Earth. And when I went off to UFO conferences to research my book, I'll, I'll never forget, I could probably put it this way, there was a, a UFO investigator, I was in Brisbane, Australia, and he stood up to give a lecture and he say, said, look, we know the great science experiment evolution works. Here we are, you and I are proof of it. And when we look out in this enormously vast 14 billion year old universe, we understand we could be in a relatively young part of the universe. So there could be alien races out there that have evolved a million or even a billion years in advance of humankind. Therefore, they could be a million or billion years advanced in their technology. And that's how come they can build hyperdrive spaceships and visit the Earth. So one, the whole concept of life out there is predicated on, you know, Big Bang and evolution, cosmic evolution. But what's become mainstream science today, guys, e even in the years I've been working in ministry, is we've gone through the genetics revolution. 25 years ago, we, 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 we understood what DNA was, but we didn't know much about it. You know, they thought 98% of it was junk, for example, one of the greatest blunders in biological uh, in the history of biology. 
because uh, we now know that it does a whole bunch of things. They thought it was junk simply because they didn't understand what it did. So there are increasing layers of complexity and design in the genome. If we could take a single strand of our DNA, there's about three billion letters of complex coded information. The letters themselves are not information. They've got to be arranged into words and sentences like you read in a book to produce information. And the DNA is like that. It's about a thousand Bibles worth of information. So any biologist worth his, you know, his paycheck understands that there is order, a code, and of course information can only come from an information giver. Randomness does not produce information. And so Sir Francis Crick, in fact, one of the co-discoverers of the DNA molecule uh, back, uh, when was it, I think 1953, he, he was an ardent atheist. In fact, he, he said he would refuse the chair at Oxford if they build a chapel on the premises. One of the reasons he entered the sciences was to disprove the notion of a, of a creator. But he came up with the idea that maybe aliens seeded life on Earth billions of years ago. Mm. And as I said, that's become mainstream science. When they look at the complexity of the cell, the, the, the coding in the, in the genomes of every living creature, I suspect any biologist worth his salt knows it cannot really have come about by chance but you know what? They're willing to attribute it to unseen aliens who apparently have to defy the laws of physics, come and visit Earth, see, see life here, rather than the creator God of the Bible. And it's interesting to see all the propaganda that supports that theory, you know, just the movie Alien and uh, what, what was the movie with, um, oh gosh, I'm totally blanking on it. Basil, you got to help me. Uh, that movie that Prometheus, that, um, Prometheus. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Stuff yeah, like what that. What a horrible movie that was. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, yeah, we were basically seated by these other alien races and whatnot. I mean, okay, so let's get into the film a little bit because what brought you to actually pull all this information together? Of who were the people you wanted to reach out to collect information from? And you know, how did it all come together? Well, you mentioned our former project. We're, we're actually not in the movie-making business. Uh, we're in information ministry. We produce uh, a magazine that goes to 110 countries around the world called Creation Magazine, an in-depth peer-reviewed journal called Journal of Creation. Our website's creation.com, where there's over 12,500 articles and videos on this subject. But we did make Evolution's Achilles Heels, which you mentioned, and that did really, really well for us and exposed people to an alternative, it featured 15 PhD scientists who were specialists in the very fields that supposedly port, support evolution, like natural selection and cosmology and genetics and the geologic column. And we showed in that documentary that evolution does not have the power to create as evolutionists believe. So we took their own methodologies, their own ideas, and showed it, it, its weakness. And so... I was sitting here at a board meeting uh, with, with our board. We're a faith-funded ministry, by the way. Uh, we just survive on donations. And uh, I mentioned how well the Evolution's Achilles' heels had done. And then one of the board members said, you know, Gary, you need to make a movie about your book. And I kind of laughed it off. And then another one said the same. And all of a sudden, I got steamrolled um, because making movies consumes your life. Uh, I mean, we've done this movie... Uh, you know, in rapid time, but I've spent, I don't know, I mean, it's thousands of hours 
working on this, writing it, directing, producing, sitting in post-production, watching footage, you know, contacting the music composer and getting scores written. At the same time, I'm doing ministry every two weekends uh, out in a church somewhere and running the ministry as CEO, which is why I wasn't keen to put my hand up to do it. But, uh, you know, sometimes you've got to be forced into these things. And I kind of felt, to be honest, felt like I was, but I'm glad that I was because uh, the early screenings and drafts uh, have have given just rave reviews. And we've shown pastors who have no knowledge of the UFO phenomenon, whatever, and they're coming back saying every Christian, every pastor needs to watch this movie. And the reason is science fiction themes, you know, with aliens and evolution at the bottom of it, account for the biggest box office subject matter in the media. The highest grossing movies, about 80% of them, the highest grossing movies of all time are sci-fi. The longest running and, in fact, the most watched or syndicated TV show in history is Star Trek Next Generation. And it shows you how big these things are. And so more than anything else that CMI has done, uh, you guys have seen the movie, we've actually not only used this subject matter to undermine the idea of evolution on other worlds, but to present the gospel front and centre in a powerful way, that the concept that Jesus Christ is the creator of the universe and there's a spiritual dimension to our existence. So if we can get enough people to see this, I think it's it really is so convincing and so compelling. I, I, my prayer and hope is we will see lives changed as a result of it. Yeah, you're definitely going to have some uh, viewers on our end here. This uh, seems like the subject matter is right up our listeners' alley. Now, this topic of aliens and, uh, well, let's just leave it there, aliens and all sorts of sci-fi stuff. Uh, you know, is this doesn't seem to be the normal creationist uh, <laughs> uh, d- topic here. I mean, you, you've got things in common, such as evolution, and you've got millions of years involved. You know, in the movie, you explain just how vast uh, the universe is. And uh, by now, there should be aliens all over the place if yep. uh, we are to take the original timeline um, you know, that scientists are proposing to us. Now, why exactly, or, uh, I mean, is this an internal uh, interest that you guys have over there that really spurred this sort of strategy to uh, talk about aliens in the cosmos? Well, when I first started working for the ministry, remember, I, I said I didn't get saved till I was an adult, and uh, and then I eventually ended up working for for CMI in Australia. And I said to my boss at the time, uh, Dr. Carl Whelan, he's kind of been my mentor in the ministry over many years. He's retired now. But I said, do you realize how big science fiction is? And most people don't realize that science fiction, you know, has evolution as its core. And I said, well, what a great way to use a subject matter to introduce creation and, you know, uh, Christian arguments, uh, Christian apologetics. And the idea resonated with him, and that's what led to my book. And, you know, Alien Intrusion, the book, is probably one of the most widely read creation books uh, ever now. Um, And and we actually believe more non-Christians have probably read it than Christians. But, you see, this is also an important topic for Christians to be equipped with. If if we're, we're attempting to reach the culture, you know, we need to know what the culture believes, what they think about, what they investigate. You know, there's an epidemic 
sadly, of youth leaving our church. One of the minor film projects we did uh, in the last couple of years is I went out onto university campuses here uh, in Atlanta. Now, you know, for people maybe listening around the world, uh, Atlanta's in the Bible Belt. Uh, I can tell you, coming from Australia, I mean, I pass 13 churches on my way to work every morning. Uh, in Australia, you'd be lucky to find one, perhaps, in that in that in the, in the distance that I travel. So we're very much in a church culture. But I took a film crew onto college campuses in Atlanta, and I thought, how am I going to get the messages across? The message across to parents that just taking little Johnny to church on Sunday morning and having him put his hands up and say, yes, I accept Jesus into my heart, is not going to ensure he's going to be there by the time he turns 18. And why? Because he's been getting exposed to evolution as a scientific fact through the education system. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, well, if evolution's true, then Genesis is wrong and science shows Genesis is wrong and science shows men don't rise from the dead. So that's the logical progression. So as students walked along, I asked four questions in this video. And we interviewed hundreds and hundreds of students, by the way. And the first question was, evolution, oh, oh, we, sorry, yeah, we, uh, were you raised in the church? That was the first question. So we only wanted to talk to people who said they were raised in the church. And those ones that answered yes, we took them to one side, answered some, asked some more questions. Second question, um, evolution or creation, what's true? And, you know, out of the hundreds of young people we surveyed, these are college kids, only six of them said they believed in creation. Now, wow. these were kids that were raised in the church. And then the very next question after that, I said, okay, so when you were in the church, were you ever exposed to creation, evolution arguments, uh, any scientific evidence to show the biblical account of creation might be true? And every single student who said they were raised in the church now believed in evolution, had never, ever been shown any scientific evidence for creation. Wow. Mm. The handful of kids who said they still they believed in creation, every single one of them said that they were exposed to evidence for creation. The last question, do you still attend church? And every young person that said, believed in evolution, raised in the church, believed in evolution, never shown any information, except for one young man, no longer attends church today. And the handful of kids that uh, had been exposed and believed, they still, every single one of them still attend a church. So we have to be, you know, if we're sending, we're raising Christian kids in the home, for example, we're sending them off to secular universities and, and out in the, the big bad world, we have to deal with what the world thinks because if their arguments sound convincing. We've got to equip our kids to say, why is it wrong? You know, and I often say to parents, if your children you know, don't, uh, you should encourage questions. Sometimes we say, oh, you know, don't ask questions like that. Just believe or believe the Bible. But that's a warning sign because if our kids are not asking questions, then how are, how are they going to defend their faith? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I used to sit around the dinner table with my kids and I'd say, so what if somebody says to you when you get to high school or college and they're going to get confronted even more with this the, these days, um, you know, evolution is a scientific fact. Or, you know, the fossils prove that apes evolved into humans. Or, hey, you know, when it comes to same-sex marriage or gay people, uh, they're born that way. Or emotional arguments like, isn't it okay if people just love each other? And we would just logically kind of role-play and work through those arguments because the answers are very simple. 
but we but if the first time our kids ever get confronted with those arguments is in college you know peer pressure and everything else is going to get to them and they think that the bible doesn't have answers right so that's a long-winded way of explaining why we kind of dealt with this subject of ufos and aliens because the subject matter you know i any any of your listeners can just go and stand on a street corner and ask any teenager walking past um do you think there's alien life and i can tell you 90 percent of people will say yes yeah and polls polls show that that 80 percent of americans believe that aliens have visited the earth or are currently visiting the earth and that the government is hiding it and that must include a lot of christians if it's 80 percent yeah well you know it's really fascinating because for us uh, on this podcast we've talked a lot about uh, Genesis 6 and um, the accounts there with the sons of God and the Nephilim and how that relates possibly, you know, not, we're not 100% sure, but relates potentially to the UFO phenomenon. And then later on, I kind of want to get into future projections because I think with this evolutionary uh, theory as the foundation of the worldview that's moving forward, you know, we talk about transhumanism a lot on this uh, podcast as well. So I, I wanted to ask you, since you've talk to a lot of scientists who are Christians if they see anything coming in that regard. But before we get too far there. Sure. Well, maybe maybe let's discuss the subject matter of the movie and where it heads. You know, we've, sure. discussed, we've discussed the idea that we deal with creation and evolution. So there are only two mechanisms. You know, if aliens are out there, you know, either they evolved or they created by God. It's the same idea here on Earth. Um, the idea that God created aliens, by the way, there's a gospel problem in that. Most Christians don't have a problem looking at the large universe and thinking, well, God may have created them out there. But uh, now that's another subject. If we have time, maybe we'll cover it. But um, when, you, uh, when you consider uh, if, if there were aliens out there, regardless of how they came about, the first issue is how do they get here? Because everything we've seen in our local neighborhood shows that the Earth is increasingly unique and special, something called the anthropic principle. There's over 120 examples of, uh, you know, uh, Earth being in just the right position, the moon being the perfect right distance from us. The, the anthropic principle states that the universe looks like it's been designed, the universe this is, not just our solar system, specifically for human life on Earth. So if aliens are out there, where are they coming from? How do they get here? So then we discuss the physics. So you see Captain Kirk whizzing around on the Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, it's not a matter of advanced technology. And I, this is something I get challenged on all the time. People say, well, you can't say that in the future. You don't know what uh, technologies might be available. A hundred years ago, we never thought we'd have manned trips to the moon. Hang on, it's it's not a matter of advanced technologies. You would have to literally defy the very laws of physics that operate in our universe to try to get here from the nearest star, you know, to our own sun, which is Proxima Centauri, which is about 4.3 light years away. There are time dilation problems. Captain Kirk whizzes around faster than the speed of light at warp factor five, and he comes back to Earth and nobody's aged. If you saw the movie Interstellar, it was one of the few science fiction movies that dealt with that. You know, it had the guy on the space station and they got closer to the wormhole and they, there was a few days for them and they came back and the poor guy on the space station had aged 20 years, etc. Right. So these are insurmountable problems. So then you say, well, if these 
aliens cannot visit us from you know distant galaxies. What are people seeing in the sky? Uh, what can we account for when people say, and and possibly millions of people have experienced this according to polls, when they say an entity appeared in their room in the middle of the night and said, you know, I'm from Zeta Reticuli and I've chosen you and you're special, um, you know, go out and preach this new age philosophy, a new age message, and actually deny the deity of Jesus. And while that sounds like a bit of a throwaway line, that is exactly the experience that thousands or possibly millions of people have had. Polls claim up to 4 million Americans have been abducted by aliens. So when I started researching this, uh, to be honest, I got more than I bargained for because I started out thinking, oh, let's lose sci-fi and these themes to um, you know, lead people to the gospel. But then I realized I started meeting all of these people that claimed these experiences. And just like my secular counterparts in the UFO community, uh, they came to believe, like we in the movie, we, we interviewed John Mack, a Harvard psychologist who started out as a skeptic and studied abductees because he thought they, they were all having uh, psychological flights of fancy. But he became a believer in the idea that something was really happening to them because of the commonality of all the experiences, hundreds and hundreds of people he interviewed. And I can confirm from the hundreds and hundreds that I've now personally met myself that something actually is happening to them. The question is, is it aliens or not? Well, we know aliens can't get here from a distant galaxy far, far away, so let's look at what's happening with the phenomenon itself. Some of these UFOs, as in unidentified flying objects, uh, fly at incredible speeds, sometimes over 7,000 miles per hour. We don't have any vehicles, planes or anything that can do that. And they're seen accelerating towards the ground and then doing a U-turn straight back up without slowing down. Well, you can imagine what it would be like to be in a ship if something did that. I mean, you'd be a splattered egg on the floor of the spacecraft uh, and so on. Um, in the movie, we featured a disclosure conference at the Washington Press Club where over 80 Air Force officers, so we're not talking about, you know, average Joe enlisted men. These were high-ranking officers with a lot more to lose than to gain by telling their stories, where they said that these objects were tracked on radar um, doing aerial maneuvers, you know, right-angle turns, stopping instantly. And in some cases, they said they interfered with the operational web readiness of our nuclear weapons. That is an outstanding claim, okay? And then you have abductees that say when the entity appeared in their room, it went through the walls or the ceilings and then later through hypnotic regression, they have these stories of going through the walls and the season, uh, ceiling and being taken aboard a spaceship and then they see uh, breeding rooms of alien hybrids and humans and then they're taken on a galactic tour of the universe and then return to their bedroom all in the passing of time of uh, two to three hours, which, you know, from the time they saw the alien entity or what they think is an alien entity to the time they woke up. So how do we use the Bible? Well, the one thing that all researchers agree on, we've now got 80 years' worth of data, and the Christian view, and let me say this again, people don't have to believe little Billy Bob Christian sitting here in Atlanta that this is the view of all the secular researchers too. 
uh, and the, the movie features about 50-50, Christian and secular, is that we are not dealing with entities that are coming from a distant planet in physical spaceships. We are dealing with something interdimensional. In other words, it coexists with us and it can morph in and out of our reality. And even John Mack, that Harvard psychologist, we have an interview with him on Oprah. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it was he was on Oprah. And then we have another interview with him where he even uses the term, these are spirit beings who should have stayed in their spirit world, but are somehow coming over to us to, you know, give us spiritual enlightenment. Wow. So any Christian listening knows where this is heading, right? Uh, the Bible says there is another realm or dimension, a spiritual realm. In fact, the Lord Jesus, when he was standing before Pilate, said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is from another place. So, of course, we're talking about angels, uh, fallen angels and, uh, and demons. And the Bible says, clearly depicts that they can enter our realm. Moreover, guys, they appear physically. Sadly, even in the church, our cultural view of angels is these ethereal spirit beings with fairy wings. That's not how scripture records them. Uh, even the good ones, you know, like the three that sat down with Abraham. So think about that. He prepared food. They ate. Uh, even the resurrected Lord manifested in the room with the disciples and Thomas was actually able to physically put his finger in his hand and in his side. Uh, God's destroying angel affected our environment, killed the firstborn in all of Egypt and so on. And then, of course, what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, killed 170,000 Syrian soldiers in one account as well. So, yes, the, the, the gods of Egypt, the gods of the Old Testament, and I'm talking about the demon gods that were wrongly followed, are the same phenomenon that we're dealing with today in the UFO phenomenon. And uh, someone like John Keel, a secular researcher, he wrote the book The Mothman Prophecies. He said that demonology is not another crackpot-ology. He said it's the ancient and scholarly study of the demons that have coexisted throughout history. Yeah. Another, another guy in the movie is Dr. Jacques Vallée. Jacques Vallée, who was a contemporary of Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Uh, they were consultants on Spielberg's movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm -hmm. And Vallée, a highly respected researcher, he's even briefed the U United Nations on the subject of uh, UFOs. Uh, he said in the past people had stories of encounters that, that almost align themselves perfectly with today's encounters with aliens and UFOs, but he said in those days they were fairies or they were elves, or the little people of Ireland, and they have these missing time stories. There's a sexual component to the abduction episode, uh, etc. So this is the old-age demonological phenomenon that dresses, as a, dresses itself up in a new, more believable guise. Yeah. When I say fairies, people laugh. But think about this, you know, 200 years ago, no one would have ever dreamed about, you know, warp drive spaceships coming from another planet, right? right. But what was popular culture was the idea of fairies and, and other realms and dimensions that they came from. So when these entities appeared, they appeared within the popular culture understanding of the day. And, I, and let me just sum up and say this on, on this, this bit of section. You know, if, a, if an entity stood, you and, you and I as Christians, if an entity stood at the bottom of my room in the middle of the night and said, hey, I'm a fairy and I've chosen you, 
well, you and I would either doubt our own sanity um, and even the non-Christian would, do, would doubt their own sanity. But when a little entity stands in the non-believer's room and says, I'm from Sirius and I've chosen you and you're special, um, that's believable. And for these people, it's been a life-changing experience for them. And is there a, is there a commonality here? Well, you guys have heard of Joseph Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, guess what? He, he had the visitor experience. If uh, listeners are not familiar, he's the founder of the Mormon religion. And even Muhammad had the same experience. He right. was meditating in a cave and he had the visitor as well. And there you've got two substitute religions that have come around as a result of the same visitor experience that's been with us throughout centuries, masquerading basically as angels of light. Yeah, and it's so funny you bring up angels of light as uh, you finish off your little rant there because I had pulled up Second Corinthians eleven fourteen because uh, you know that's the passage that talks about Satan masquerading as an angel of light, and the word for masquerades is metaskitsmazitai, and you know Rusdizdar uh, and others have pointed out that's the Greek word. It means to change the figure of or to transform. So literally, mm. the ability to morph, the ability to shape shift, basically, and appear as whatever is going to convince. So it's really interesting that you see that conclusion, which is pretty much where we've been at um, as well, you know, just doing your research and looking at this and, and talking to people. It's fascinating to me. I think the Bible really, as you dig more, it confirms so many of these things. And, and I'm glad you brought up the different elements because there, there are different things that happen with this whole alien phenomenon. You have the academia telling you that it's, you know, uh, likely that we were seated by aliens or whatever. You got Richard Dawkins on, you know, uh, that film with uh, Ben Stein. Ex- expelled. expelled. Yeah, he said that at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so you got that. You got you. So you have the intellectual sort of realm saying it, and then you have the science fiction bombarding people with it every day, and then you have people that have these experiences, uh, these these personal experiences. Most of them are negative, right? I mean, the ones that I've read and, and, and reported were negative. They were, you know, uh, terrible things, rapes and things like that. Um, Post traumatic stress syndrome. Most of them suffer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Travis Walton story is something that I saw when I was a young kid, probably too young to see that movie actually when I saw it, but that that story was like, whoa, that kind of you know thing can happen. So there's that angle and then there's also, you know, people just seeing crafts, which of course you know, that, that could be mistaken identity, it could be sure. government craft, it could, it, there's all kinds of things that it can be. So, so it's, I, th- I think it's important to parse out these different aspects of the phenomenon when you talk about aliens or UFOs or whatever, and and try to, you know, understand what's happening and sort of tug at the strands to see where it all leads. And it, it seems like you came to the conclusion that, uh, once again, the Bible is true and that it's actually explaining to us and has been <laughs> explained to us this reality for a long time. And, you know, it just confirms that aspect of it as you go forward. But you present so much information in the film. Uh, is there something that really, and you've presented some of it already, is there something that really stuck out that you think is a really convincing argument in defense of the gospel and everything in light of the alien phenomenon? Yeah, I think we we interviewed an experiencer called Guy Malone, and he he basically said, you know, if these are really advanced extraterrestrials flying millions of years across space, why are they frightened of the name of Jesus? Why does a supposedly dead archaic religious figure hold fear for these entities. 
And that's the kicker. And I don't want to put too much of a spoiler out there, but uh, listeners, you're going to be in for one big, big surprise when you watch the movie. We interviewed a guy called Joe Jordan, uh, researcher for MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, which is the world's largest volunteer group clearinghouse for UFO investigations. And he has over 400 cases now. And he didn't start out a believer, by the way. It was the right. evidence that made a believer out of him. He was, he said, look, is there any particular group of people, instead of looking at who has been abducted, who is being abducted, is there any group of people who are not being abducted? And he, he discovered with his colleague at the time, they were UFO investigators in Port Brevard uh, down in Florida near, uh, near the, near the uh, launch facilities at Titusville for NASA. And he said, it seems that uh, Christians might be exempt. Why is that? Because in a couple of cases they'd interviewed, people had called out on the name of Jesus during their experience and it had stopped. So they said, you know, being non-Christians, they said, okay, so what is it about Christians that aliens don't like? <laughs> <You know? laughs> And uh, they found out, they, they discovered using their terminology, they, they said there were two types of Christians. There were these talk, the talk Christians, people who kind of intellectually espoused a belief in God, you know, maybe they went to church once or twice a year. And then there were the walk the walk Christians. And of course, later they came to understand these were, you know, Bible believing Christians who in faith and practice uh, believed in the, in the God of the Bible that they generally seemed to be exempt from these experiences. So we include some of these testimonies in the movie. That's the powerful conclusion where Jesus is really glorified in it all. And one, you know, I mentioned Guy Malone and what he said, and there's another quote we had in the movie, which uh, John Ankerberg, a Christian apologist, puts it really well. He said, you know, the same thing. How is it that aliens fly millions of light years across space to stealthily abduct people in the middle of the night to deny Christianity and teach them new age. Yeah. And, and why is it with all the stories that these people are told? See, let me make a point here because you talked about the different elements. You and I, if we saw something in the sky, we can't lasso it. You can't grab hold of it, do empirical scientific tests on it. But it's in this abduction phenomenon, I believe we can unpick the origin of what's going on. Because if something appears in your room and, and tells you something that is a lie, well, they're a liar. Your trust is not recommended. You know, we said in the movie, Nick Redfern, you know, the History Channel's go-to guy on all, thing, all things alien at the moment in the movie, he said, you know, they're creating a meme sowing the seeds of belief in extraterrestrials when they are something entirely different. He doesn't know what, but he says they're not extraterrestrials. And they said, you know, 30, 40 years ago, they said they were from Venus, from Saturn. He said, we've been to those places. We know there are not advanced alien civilizations living there. So now their claims are they're from Zeta Reticuli or the Pleiades or something like that. So if they really are highly evolved, highly advanced to aliens visiting us, why do they lie to people? Well, it's in fruit, fruit in keeping of someone. Why, why are they worried about Jesus? Why yeah. do they keep bringing him up? Yeah, absolutely. Joe Jordan, uh, his conversation with Derek Gilbert, I believe back in 2010, 
uh, was really what spurred me into understanding what was going on. And I actually featured part of that conversation in my documentary back in 2011. So um, in terms of the punchline, our audience is familiar with with that aspect, probably. And Joe Jordan calls it a cover-up, right? The fact that in the UFO community, in ufology, uh, this idea that Christians calling out in the name of Jesus stops the the, the experience, especially negative, I mean, mostly negative experiences, um, that's not discussed, you know, and it's not acknowledged. And, and he even mentions how the quote was, we don't know what to do with it. Is that's right. That's what he said in the movie. They, they, yeah. His colleagues didn't know what to do with it. And, and others I've met, they kind of say, okay, aliens don't like Christians. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> right. But there's a, there's a huge red flag there, guys. Why is that? If you are genuinely looking for answers, why is that? But for some, you see, it doesn't fit into their existing uh, pre-belief. Right. So that's the thing when everybody approaches us. We think we're objective and we just look at the evidence. We don't. You know, I'm, I'm biased, but so is the evolutionist. I approach the data with a preconceived worldview, and that's how I'll interpret it. I'll use that lens, but so do they. And I want to make a point here. You know, I'm, I'm not a conspiratorialist. I, in fact, I, I kind of don't like conspiracy theories because I think they can make a shoehorn facts, evidence in an unwarranted way. So, so Obama but didn't you, but go to Mars? But, I'm just joking. Sorry? I'm joking. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> joking. But in this particular about, case, yeah. yeah, in this particular case, um, you know, there is essentially a cover-up, cover-up by these demonic entities themselves. And the second one is, yeah, and I'm, I'm loath to say this, but and I'm going to defend the government, even though I say it, you know, when they have on radar that these things are affecting their nuclear weapons, they know about it. But what is the U.S. government going to say? So you can go to countries like Mexico, where it's uh, they've had a lot of UFO flaps, and the Air Force has even released footage of them, and it's been on the news, and they just say, we don't know what it is. But America, in the U.S., you see, it's uh, people have asked me what, you know, the government must know. And I say, yeah, they do know. But it's about control because we always want to appear in control. There's no way the U.S. government's going to turn around and say, yeah, we've seen these things. Uh, we don't know what it is, but don't worry. And in my book, I put in some quotes there from leading officials that said, if, you know, the thought that or the idea that we would say to the public that advanced aliens have been visiting us could cause panic, it cause, could cause civil unrest. But then think about this. You know, this phenomenon is increasing. More and more people are claiming sightings and induction stories, and because of beliefs in evolution and science fiction, the culture is more accepting of those ideas than it would have even been 20 years ago. And the idea that advanced aliens or visiting us actually might not be that earth shattering because it's portrayed in movies and themes and you know they're they're all technologically advanced and they're here to fix the holes in our ozone and save us from climate change or whatever the stories are so we could be facing a time where it's it's possible we could be undergoing a massive massive deception and the government could even governments of the world could even put their hands up and say you know what Here's the records we've had throughout history. Uh, what else could it be? It, you know, particularly if they don't believe in the spiritual realm, what else could it be? Well, it must be technologically advanced aliens visiting us from another dimension. And then, hey, we are ripe for whatever Satan wants to wants to bring in as a result of that, I think. Yeah. 
Have you had a UFO or alien abduction experience, Gary? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, no, I haven't. But uh, when I was a baby Christian, uh, I was an adult, of course, but I'd only been saved about three days. I had a sleep paralysis episode mm. in my bed. I looked around. I could not move. I could cast my eyes left and right. I couldn't speak. And I've since met, by the way, literally hundreds of people have had the same experience in different forms. Yeah. Um, and the secular, you know, psychologists have tried to explain sleep paralysis away as a natural phenomenon. But uh, what I saw was uh, a black cloud in my room that descended upon me so much so I can remember pushing myself back in the bed to try and escape it. And uh, I ended up having this choking sensation. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't call out to my wife and speak and she was next to me. And the reason I said I was a baby Christian, I knew nothing about spiritual warfare. Uh, you know, I hadn't even got past the Gospel of John in the Bible yet. And, but I was so excited about my newfound faith, I called out on the name of Jesus. And it stopped in its tracks. Mm, there you go. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was fairly early on I realized that it manifested itself in many forms. And, you know, what we're talking about UFOs, you can relate it to ghost experiences and paranormal experiences. I found a commonality in the morphology of the experiences uh, right across the paranormal spe spectrum. Yeah, isn't that interesting that pretty much any supernatural or uh, paranormal or, uh, I don't know, what we categorize as extraterrestrial experience all have common themes throughout them. Seems like we should be a little bit uh, more open to the apparency that they are in some way connected. One of the problems, Basil, is, you, you know, uh, this, this quote was attributed to G.K. Chesterton. And let me just point out, he did not say this, but I, I, I do like the urban legend anyway. You <laughs> see, when, when people stop believing in God, they don't stop believing in anything. They start believing in everything. Right. And you've only got to look at TV and see... UFO hunters, ancient aliens, ghost hunters, so on and so forth. And here's the problem. If we allow ourselves as Christians to be open to those ideas, we can also be deceived. Uh, the Bible gives a great warning about, you know, signs and wonders deceiving the elect, if that were possible. And I, I wrote an article on creation.com, our website, a few years ago, dealing with the concept of ghosts, for example. The concept of our deceased relatives coming back and visiting us, you know, either from the other side or from some purgatory or intermediate realm, uh, defies the gospel. Because the Bible is absolutely clear that we go to one or two places when we die. But I even had people, Christians, write to me and say, well, I saw my dead mother at the foot of my bed one night and she told me stuff. And because the experience is real, and I'm not denying that, and this is where people get confused, the experience can be real, right, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily follow that what you're being told is real. When we say it's a deception, and the subtitle of the movie, of course, is Unmasking a Deception, what does it mean to be deceived? Well, you know, to be deceived means you're going to be conned into believing something that is not, not true. And so tugging on people's heartstrings, I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to see you know, your, a de your deceased mother or father standing at the bottom of your bed 
Well, that's going to invoke a lot of emotion, uh, a lot of empathy from the from the spirit that might tell you things that apparently, you know, only you two knew and so on and so forth. So in the same way people have this experience, uh, they are, again, told they're special and given extra biblical revelation, just like Smith and Muhammad, and it can be a life-changing experience for them. And that's why it's so important, I believe, that we've got to share this information. Uh, I've met hundreds of them. As I've said, they're very, very difficult to reach. If you try to turn around and say, oh, it's all demonic or it never happened to you, they'll just turn around and they'll just go off to a UFO research center or clinic and that that will drive them deeper in because those places exist to reinforce the idea that we've got these aliens visiting us from a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. So the, 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 what I've found is you've got to let them tell their stories. And even though I know now, you know, what they're going to say to me, I could almost stop them and tell them exactly, did this happen? Did that happen? And they'll go, yep, yep, but I don't. Because when you let them tell their stories, they're going to tell you the messages that they've received. And it's the messages that they've received, that's where you can un unpick the truth. You can poke holes in the lies. And then once you can get them to doubt the experience, that's when they can bring it to an end. Because as I said earlier, if someone lies to you, you're a liar. And I'd say, but that's not correct. They, they, they obviously didn't come from Venus. You know, that's a molting, mm. molten hot planet. Um, why would they say that to you if they're really here to help you? And so that that's about all you can do is to try to poke holes in it. You know, where yeah. sometimes as Christians, we're too quick to tell people the answer of what we know. But to have empathy means to listen, to be concerned. It's a, it's a bit of a form of friendship evangelism, although it's a, a little on the freaky side. <laughs> yeah. What do you uh, see the end goal of this campaign, this campaign to deceive about uh, aliens and the supernatural? Uh, you know, why why would they continue to do it? And, well, and why, so, why for so long throughout human history? Well, it takes people's eyes off the one true creator, doesn't it? I mean, if I say to you, well, people can cross over from the other side, then you'd say, well, the Bible's not quite right about that, is it? Or if God didn't create the universe in six 24-hour days but used a process of uh, 14 billion years, well, then I don't really have to take the Bible literally, do I? So it creates doubts. And one of the biggest issues we face in the church is actually you know, most people coming up with their own ideas about what the Bible means when we should just take the Bible at face value. I think the biblical authors knew what they were doing when they were inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, and, and give God some credit there. So the end goal, isn't it interesting? In my book, uh, which is uh, the end goal is not so much fleshed out in the movie, but in the book Alien Intrusion, I've got certain uh, quotes there from New Age writers that say, for example, in the future, uh, Mother Earth will need to evolve into her next ascendancy. Uh, but to be able to achieve that, to achieve that, we've got to remove these negative spirits from the Earth. Um, and when they kind of refer to negative spirits, who do you think they're referring to? <laughs> Christians. It's the old fuddy-duddy Christians who are basically holding all this back, and they have stories about us being taken from the earth. There's even a passage that's so similar to Second Thessalonians, you know, we'll be taken up, caught in the sky, 
transported off to a different planet so Earth can evolve properly. Wow. And even in even religions like Scientology, believe it or not, uh, people don't know, but uh, the uh, the premise behind Scientology, which John Travolta brought out in the movie Battlefield Field Earth, is that an evil uh, space ruler, a galactic ruler by the name of Zenu, he rounded up all those in rebellion or something like this, and I might, I apologize, I might be misquoting it, but uh, and brought them all here on Earth and destroyed them with nuclear weapons, and the Earth is now full of these deceitful spirits, so bad spirits roaming the Earth, and that's why, you know, Brooke Shields has problems and needs medication. Uh, Tom Cruise got upset about that because... She just needs to get rid of these body thetans, these disembodied spirits that are invading us. Some years ago, I was walking along, uh, you know, Hollywood, uh, the, the Walk of Fame there, and some guy jumped out of a doorway and accosted myself and my family and said, hey, we can give you a free stress test, free stress test. And well, he picked on the wrong guy because I knew all about it. And he was a Scientologist, and what they were doing was trying to grab people from the street to go into a little tent and they put a little e-meter on you that tests your body for these negative spirits. And, of course, you know, for a couple of hundred thousand dollars, you can join the club and be rid of them. Uh, so, you know, these themes, sci-fi themes, visitation themes, run throughout uh, a lot of religions, as you guys would well know. But the end goal here, well, you know, the enemy can read the Bible just the same as you and I can. Uh, I mean, he even tested Jesus with his own words, you know, when they stood on the Temple Mount there. So when you think about it, what what mechanism? He knows that God is the creator. The only mechanism he has left is to take down as many with him when he comes because he knows, he knows his fate. We tend to overcomplicate things. The devil knows he has not got a chance against the creator of the universe. The only thing he can do is to spite his creator and therefore deceive and confuse of many, as many of those whom God loves, which is human beings, so much so that the Creator stepped out of heaven uh, to redeem us. But his effort is to take down as many of us with him as he can. And uh, that's, that's what the Bible makes pretty clear. Yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing how it all ties together. You know, speaking of science fiction and, and harvesting and, and kind of the rapture idea you sort of alluded to, uh, there's a movie called Jupiter Ascending that was produced by the uh, Wachowski brothers, or I yeah, guess I saw that one. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, the the plot. There is that these uh, these transhuman alien royalty actually created humanity to be uh, harvested uh, to produce a type of youth serum, so that these elites uh, could live forever. And it's kind of weird how the the concept of alien and transhuman is tied together there, because I do want to ask you. I know this is a little bit beyond, you know, some of the film, but but you do sort of touch on it. And this idea of transhumanism that we talk about a lot and, uh, you know, the humanity plus uh, human, it's very much rooted in evolution. Uh, the the mm -hmm. idea that we take evolution into our own hands and we evolve ourselves now that we can use technology and biotech and CRISPR technology, DNA manipulation, all kinds of stuff, nanotechnology, and we can improve ourselves and we can be more efficient and more, you know, just better. And of course, uh, religious uh, language is spurring up from that. You know, we've seen all the headlines recently about an AI church and worshiping the AI Messiah and all that kind of stuff is happening now. And 
I personally believe the Bible actually predicted some of this, but you speak to the scientists, you know, in your research and in your organization. Do they have any concerns with where things like genetics and some of these things that seem to be, you know, on the surface, they're going to help people and help progress medical science and and all that stuff, but obviously, you know, uh, could cause a lot more harm as well. Uh, Have you talked to them about that or any of them concerned with any of this development of science and technology? Well, I, I think you summed it up pretty well because here's the underlying issue. It gets back to your worldview. And I said your worldview is based upon what you believe about where you came from. So let's just scale it back a little bit. Um, should we should we uh, abort children? Well, uh, the Christian worldview says no. We're made in the image of God. He knew us before we were formed in the womb. It's 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 murder. It's wrong. But an evolutionist would say, and it's still in the textbooks today, that while we're in the womb, you know, ontology. Ontogeny, sorry, recapitulates phylogeny. In other words, it's called recapitulation theory from Ernst Haeckel. While we're in the womb, we're still undergoing a throwback to our evolutionary fish stage. So in the womb, you're not fully human. I mention that to point out that human beings are regarded as nothing more than animals. And if we're just animals, we don't have a soul. Uh, if If evolution's true, we're not accountable to God. We're not made in his image. So then man is free, if you like, to do, to do what he wants. You know, we're, we're starting to see all sorts of issues, uh, you know, talk. I mean, obviously, there's been the issue of cloning over the years and so on and so forth. Um, I wrote a, co-wrote a book called Is Human Life Special? It's just a little, little booklet with about $3.50 uh, on our store dealing with these ideas. Some of the worst people talk about the Crusades and, uh, and Christianity committing all sorts of atrocities. Well, I would say if, if atrocities were committed, then you have con- Christians acting inconsistently with what they should believe. But when you look at people like Stalin and Pol Pot and Hitler, uh, Chairman Mao, the biggest mass murderer in history, they all had the belief of evolution at their core, that humans were nothing more than basically cattle to be culled, to do with what they want. So as we move forward, um, why shouldn't we use biotech? Uh, You know, Richard Dawkins, who you mentioned earlier, and he even got into trouble with his own fans on his Twitter account, and we've got articles, people can look at it on our website, where he says, uh, you know, why shouldn't we select? You know, if we can can look in the womb and there's a baby there that we say, well, he's not going to be a very strong, powerful runner, uh, let's just keep selecting. You know, we, we select cattle to produce certain traits. Why shouldn't we produce humans to produce certain traits that might be good in music or might be athletically uh, enhanced and so on and so forth? So why not? If we're just, you hit it, transhumanism, all about giving evolution a helping hand. Evolution is uh, commonly being called the survival of the fittest. It's really all about reproduction. It's about making you stronger and fitter than your competitors so you can proliferate your genes far and wide. Uh, by the way, that would make something, someone like Genghis Khan, I think the greatest evolutionary success story in humanity because I think one in 10 people in the world, they think, are now descended from his hordes that raped and pillaged, pillaged across the uh, Asian continent. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's interesting because the... Some of these technologies and stuff, I think it will help people, right? Don't you think that, like, 
yeah, helping people with uh, getting rid of cancer and diseases, things like that is, is good for mankind at the same time. You know, are we responsible enough to not enhance ourselves? You know, so the, the question's there, and I, I think it's an interesting ethical conversation as well that I think Christians need to face just because we're, we're in that age now where th- those types of things can happen and, and, and are happening. Tests are being done. Uh, I think, you know, there's loose rules around it, I think, but you would know better than I. And tying to this alien thing, because you said it, you know, these entities that these uh, people seem to come across. They seem to be interdimensional uh, from a spiritual realm. And, and you know, obviously that means they are non-physical. This is a non-physical phenomenon. Um, but we also spoke to people like Dr. David Jacobs, who believes yep. that there is an actual physical hybrid program going on. And, you know, whether that's true or not, obviously the origin uh, of those doing it, if they are physically manifesting, um, or is, you know, it's from the same place, the same demonic source, I believe. Do you think that they are uh, actually being uh, physically manifested, or is this just a spiritual, non-physical phenomenon? Uh, as in breeding with humans, you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I only bring it up because of yeah. what's happening to us in the world of transhumanism and the ability to genetically change and what you talked about with the mindset of evolutionary theory. You know, we're just cattle. We're just, we can upgrade ourselves, that sort of mindset. I, I bring it up because, you know, ultimately it seems like uh, demons want to look for some kind of inhabitant, right? Uh, you got the the pigs uh, that Jesus sends the demons to in, in sure. uh, the New Testament, things like that. So. I've long believed that these demons seek some sort of physicality. And so, you know, uh, creating some sort of physical host to do so wouldn't be out of the question. But th- that's getting kind of, you know, a little on the fringes. Sure. Well, that, that actually would lead us back to the sons of God question, because I, I suspect you have a similar view to me. Uh, and this is my personal view, not one of the ministry, that fallen angels and demons are actually two distinct different things as a result of the events in Genesis 6. But you raised two things there. Uh, we're a scientific organization. We are not anti-science. And we are all for anything that can arrest the effects of the fall. When Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead, he was reversing the effects of the fall. When he fed 5,000, he was superimposing his will upon na- nature, above nature, supernatural, to be able to do those things. So let, let's let's talk about something that's highly controversial and, and Christians knee-jerk react and say, no, it's absolutely wrong. And that is, for example, um, genetic uh, manipulation or, engineering. or uh, engineering, something like that. So think about this. All creation was given for our dominion, okay? So I see millions and millions of people starving in Africa. The reason Christians send missionaries to the world Jesus said, feed the hungry, was to show them the love of God and to obviously uh, preach the gospel to them. But if I could genetically engineer a strain of wheat that would grow bountifully in hot, dry climates of Africa and feed millions, then that would be a good thing. But the problem we have with this technology, when we do not have the guiding limit of the Bible and our Christian worldview, see, that should not extend to human beings. We do not have the right, if you like, to, you know, produce babies for genetic experiments or for body parts because we're not dealing with cattle and and pigs and so on. Um, 
you know, in Australia, believe it or not, over here, I think uh, they use a lot of pig parts for pig valve replacement in human beings. In Australia, they actually use, they can use kangaroos because uh, <laughs> it's actually, actually, actually closer. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with that because nature was, was given for us. Now, we have to then keep in mind that this is also God's creation. It was given for our benefit. I'm no greenie, but a good uh, creation mandate says we've, we've been entrusted with what God gave to us. We should take uh, care of it. Um, I'm going to touch a really controversial one here, vaccinations. There is so much misinformation going around about vaccinations. But what happens is with a vaccination, you're reversing the effects of the small diseases and things that entered into the world as a result of the fall because you are um, using God's designed immune system to introduce, if you like, uh, inert, by the way, dead viruses, they're not alive, to train the body to counteract them when you actually receive them. From the moment we are born, our bodies, our babies, get introduced to over 100 different pathogens and viruses and organisms. Um, that's why, you know, mother's breast milk and particularly, particularly the colostrum uh, starts to trigger the immune system in the baby. So our bodies are already doing that. So we're actually just already taking what God created to do it. But then should I, as I said, should we then start growing babies to create body parts and so on and so forth? Uh, that's where our mandate uh, is, is limited because we recognize the value of humanity and, as I said, that we're made in the image of God. So transhumanism, where do you draw the line? Uh, if I lost my legs in a car accident, is it okay to use biotechnology to, uh, to help me walk? Uh, and give me artificial limbs. So the Bible is not black and white. It doesn't mention these things. It doesn't mention aliens, for example. But I regard these things as what we call a wisdom issue. There is a big picture principle you can gain from the Bible to find out whether these things, you know, are wrong or right. And uh, it's not always clear, but it's pretty clear that uh, human beings are special in the sight of God and should not be used for experimentation in the same way as animals, for example. Yeah. Now, during your uh, talks and your tours and your uh, other media that you put out, uh, first of all, have you talked about aliens or any things like this before? And what has been the response by the people you generally consider to be your audience? Uh, yeah, I've actually uh, spoken on this hundreds of times. Yeah, it's quite interesting. You know, I'm in a little southern church somewhere and out on the road sign for the church. It says, tonight, 6 p.m., Gary Bates, UFOs, aliens, and the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's, it's interesting because there are kind of two groups of people I generally find that the Christians come along because, hey, they've heard about all the stuff and they want to hear a Christian interpretation and they get, you know, totally shocked and surprised by the information, but at the same time encouraged, I, I mean, because we're showing the Bible is the answer. And then often I'll sit there and I, I look from the pulpit and I can see somebody sitting in the corner of the room, you know, maybe on their own, and I can almost pick it. I said this the other day in another interview, sometimes they'll come up to me, and I talked about having empathy before, 
So when I describe in my lectures the experiences that people have, so at least Christians can try to empathize with these, these victims because that's what they are, the person will come up to me and say, I was one of the persons that you just spoke about and it happened to me exactly the same way. So that creates that kind of bond of empathy. And for some of these people, it's, it's the first time they've maybe spoken to somebody They've uh, maybe they've told close family and nobody else, and so again they'll tell you their story, and that's what often happens: is people want to come up and say, "Let me tell you my UFO experience. Uh, I saw this, I saw that. What do you think it could be?" Well, I wasn't there. I don't know. But when people claim these uh, alleged abduction experiences, as I said before, that's where we can uh, we can help them. So. The talks are generally very, very well received. When I, when myself and my speakers go out into churches, typically on a Sunday morning, we are going to give a, a kind of creation 101 talk. But then they say, hey, can you come back Sunday night or do a midweek lecture? And then we might do some specialty talk uh, on dinosaurs or my most requested one is on, uh, on the UFO phenomenon. Okay, so people are out there. They're receptive of it. Uh, obviously, our audience here is very receptive of it, and many have been, uh, many have had their own experiences as well. Now, we might, uh, you know, kind of droop onto the more fringy side, but I, I will say, as far as your film is concerned, uh, it is a very uh, straightforward and friendly introduction, <laughs> I would say, to the whole concept instead of, you know, perhaps some of the more. Uh, for instance, this podcast might be a little scary for some people at times. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some of the stuff you guys get into, so don't go there with me, all right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me ask you this. I wanted to, to bring this up earlier, but some folks who have some of these experiences or encounters have a very positive experience, right? And the message is the same about Jesus, but they'll have um, almost a message of some kind of spiritual mission. Uh, a lot of um, New Agers will have a, a common theme about how they were chosen, or they have a story about how uh, they connected to their higher self or their past lives, which which I find you know interesting. Every time they mention past lives, it's never it's never some mundane person. You know, it's always like a royal priest or like a you know some kind of <laughs> epic person uh, it's it's never like as a farmer from uh, the middle east and you know whatever but so so what do you say to those people who say and they you know some of these people create movements on their own uh who have these positive encounters with these uh, alleged entities absolutely well the i mentioned earlier that uh john mack uh and then there's in the movie we got a quote from another guy called richard mcnally who is a skeptic, no friend of Christians or creationists, but uh, he's another Harvard psychologist. Uh, both of them found that people tend, tend to, before they have these experiences, tend to have beliefs in kind of new age ideas, uh, bio, you know, energetic vibrations occurring throughout uh, the universe and somehow we've got to get in touch with So they're kind of just already... Um, predisposed to new age ideas. In some cases, he says they, they messed around with Ouija boards and tarot cards, etc. So when you say people have very beneficial experiences, I actually would, would disagree because the ex actual experience themselves, yeah, yeah no, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to qualify my statement because 
the experience itself is actually really, really traumatic. And, and in most cases, some pr- if they can recount these repressed memories, and of course they're not really going on board a spaceship or whatever, but when they go to one of these UFO researchers and they undergo hypnotic regression, they have stories about being on board a ship, you know, being anally probed with very crude, blunt objects. And I was on a secular show the other day and, you know, a guy challenged me, so, well, maybe the, this is us from the future or, yeah, maybe they really advanced aliens. And I said, well, if they're that advanced and they're really experimenting on us and wanting to know what we're like, how come, you know, they're not using the tricorder like Dr. McCoy uses on board the ship? Why do they need to, you know, traumatize people? And again, very simple answer. Don't overcomplicate things because that sexual experience, which is a huge component of the abduction experience, even though it's traumatic, it actually binds them to the entity that's doing the experience to them, you see? It's 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 very strange phenomenon. Us humans, we, we're very complex creatures, but there's something called Stockholm Syndrome. You may have heard of it. It's highly debated. Mm-hmm. But we see this where people have been abducted or kidnapped even by terrorists and they're held in isolation and they're tortured and they're abused. And initially it's traumatic. But then what happens, it's the isolation of the experience that drives them deeper in because perversely, the only people that can understand what the victim is going through are the abuse, uh, abusers themselves. Well, that's what the victim thinks. The only people that understand where I am or what's happening to me is the guy that's actually, you know, raping me or sexually abusing me. And so they get themselves aligned with the mission of their torturers. So most people that have an experience recount pretty bad, sordid things happening to them. And the best example of this, you may have heard of this guy, was Whitley Stryber. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The book Communion, he said he was sodomized and all sorts of horrible things were done to him. But then later on, as he kept having the experience, he started talking about his captors in loving terms. Uh, And he actually said he he fell in love with them. How bizarre is that? And the mission, you see, is that this is for your own good. Yes, it might be painful, but you're actually helping us. And then they're giving these messages. Then they get aligned with their abusers' ideas, but it's because they already were open to the idea with some of this new age stuff, um, and and kind of that's pretty much how it plays out. And sex is a, a huge component of this, you know, because we we were designed to have ideally, you know, a monogamous monogamous relationship. We become one flesh. So the minute you've kind of transcended that physical intimacy it kind of binds you to that other person in a way. And I think that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, these uh, demonic entities do it. And think about it. Think about the major cults in the world. They all have these gurus and leaders, and it's the same thing. Even in the UFO cults are some of the fastest-growing cults in the world, and generally most of them always have a guru leader. And you've got people in the cult who are giving their own wives and their own children across to these leaders because they think it's something special. But it's also a way of those leaders having control over his congregants. Yeah, it's like sacrificing your baby to the the volcano gods. You know, it's a greater purpose. Yeah, the belly of the bronze god. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, we think the film is amazing, and I think um, it's got to be shared with friends, family. What's the hope for 
you know, the reach? Do you think, what's, you know, the ideal audience, so to speak? Are you trying to reach the secular person? Are you trying to reach Christians? We kind of went over it a little bit, but is there a, is there a specific target audience um, that this film is designed for? Uh, all of the above, and that's not an overreach because I think it does appeal to, to all of the above. Uh, you mentioned that my talks are very well received, so Christians are curious about it, but Christians need to understand it so that they can help reach the culture. Uh, we need to take our teenagers to see this movie because they're into Star Wars, they're into sci-fi, and, and look, I don't have a problem with Star Wars. It's science fiction, the emphasis on the word fiction. Science fiction makes us think about futuristic ideas and our imaginations can run wild. And, of course, most science fiction today has those weird and wonderfully shaped aliens existing on these other worlds. So, yes, Christians need to see it to be informed themselves, to equip their, their families. And this is such an easy form of evangelism. I mean, you guys have seen how powerful and I think convincing. I mean, if people watch this and you've discounted the idea that they're aliens from, you know, far, far away, you look at the nature of it, it seems spiritual. The secular guys are saying it's spiritual. And then you've got the abductions being halted in the name of Jesus. It kind of really leads you to uh, only one conclusion at the end. Yeah. So you, the Christians can just spot their friends a ticket, you know, for $14.50 and say, hey, want to come to the movies tonight? I've, I've, there's a movie about UFOs and aliens on. Uh, so, yes, we hope to reach people with the gospel. We hope to start them on that journey to finding out who their creator and savior is. So that's why I say uh, all of the above. And do you mind? Do you guys mind if I mention where people can get tickets and mention the, the date of the movie? Please do. Okay. So it's on for one night only, January the 11th, and people can go to fathomevents.com and they type in their zip code or type in the name of the movie, and they'll see our movie page, type in their zip code, they'll find a cinema near them, and they can select the cinema and book the tickets, or just go to alienintrusion.com, and if you could put alienintrusion.com on the, on, the, on the video, guys, that'd be great. And again, just purchase, find a cinema, get tickets, and it takes you to that aforementioned site where you can punch in your zip code. But here's, what I, here's the reason I really wanted to mention it. Who do we hope, how do, what's our reach? Because it's a one-night event, if people actually go, and I'm, I'm going to ask for some help here, if people go in and pre-book their tickets, because don't turn up on the night, these events tend to get sold out, but if people pre-book their tickets now and the distributor starts to see that this is a popular event, they'll give us a second night. And if the second night's popular, we get a third night and so on. And so we can, not, we can reach double the amount of people and triple the amount of people. So it's really important that people, uh, as I say, go to alienintrusion.com, click on tickets, find a cinema, book your ticket now for January the 11th. There are group discounts available and um, it'll, it'll help basically us get the message out even more. Wonderful. Everybody make sure to go do that. We gotta check this out and get it more nights in the theaters. Gary Bates, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh you I'll give you one last chance here. If you have any uh, other websites to plug or how people can get a hold of you. Thank you. Yeah, our ministry is uh, can be found on creation.com. That's pretty hard to remember. Isn't it? Yeah, uh, creation.com. But also uh our main ministry is speaking in churches about creation evolution, and we we don't even charge a set speaking fee. 
So if people are interested in having a speaker at their church, just got to talk to their pastors, their leaders. We've got an events department. They pick a date and we, we look after everything. We, we, we arrange the flights, the travel for our speakers. Uh, it's very, very well organized, as you can imagine, doing hundreds of events every year. So don't think your church is too small or too large to have one of our, one of our speakers uh, come to your church and, and share information about creation. All right. Fantastic. Well, once again, thank you so much, Gary, for being on the show. And everybody go check out all those sources for some great content that uh, is really going to educate and edify you. Bless you guys. I appreciate uh, the support and the help on this and keep up the good work. Amen, brother. So there you have it, folks. We hope you enjoyed that conversation with Gary Bates. Really just, oh, oh, first of all, a wonderful communicator. And, uh, you know, we got to watch the film. We got a, a fancy screener link and it is really well laid out. And so if you have some people who are kind of on the edge or aren't quite uh, fully uh, Convinced. Have do- dove in to dove in? Is that grammatically correct? Dove in. No, it's just you know that's pot. It's pod speak. Oh, pod. It's the it's this podcast language that we've developed. Uh, but if you have uh, friends and family who are have not quite turned over to the weird side and really discovered a lot of this stuff going on in the world, uh, it's a great introductory. And, and that's not to say it's uh, not thorough or mind bending. It definitely is. Everybody should go check it out. Well, it comes at a good time too with some of the stories that have been. Uh, Hitting the mainstream yeah, news exactly. as of late. A perfect time. We just talked about uh, the UFO uh, uh, disclosure, the soft disclosure, uh, on the last week's Canary Cry News Talk. And uh, if you guys have not checked out Canary Cry News Talk yet, I highly recommend you do. I know a lot of you say, oh, too much news, or oh, too much Basil and Cons, <laughs> or oh, I get my news from other places. That's fine. Totally cool. Totally get it. In fact, you should probably continue to do that. But Canary Cry News Talk, you can find it on your any podcast uh, catcher there, and it's just 29 minutes of Basil and Gons uh, exploring some of the current events that maybe you haven't heard of. And uh, so there you go. Everybody who listens to it likes it, so check it out. And you can get the extended reports for Canary Cry News Talk on patreon.com slash ccnt. That's two episodes a week. That's awesome. Okay. Um, other than that, just want to remind everybody about the Redbubble, redbubble.com. We got the link in the show notes, Canary Cry Radio. We've got, I think, four sh- four designs up right now. There's shirts, mugs, blah, 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 all the good stuff. And there will be more designs coming out all the time. So uh, keep an eye on our Facebook because we'll be posting different merch there. And it's a, you know, we don't make a whole bunch of money on it, but so many people asked for it. We thought, uh, might as well give the people what they want, Gons. Yeah. And they've been asking for a while. So, and then this is good. Redbubble will do all yeah. the uh, overhead stuff. Redbubble makes it easy. They, they take care of it. You know, you don't have to wait for a Gons ride to package it and send it off. Um, and you can get all kinds of stuff, right? Shirts and pillows and yeah, cups. And- cool, man. Throw pillows and bed covers and t-shirts <laughs> and dresses. That bed cover. And leggings. Leggings. Ladies out there, we know you like the leggings. Uh, you got Canary Cry Radio leggings coming in all sorts of designs. It's going to be interesting. Okay, enough about merch. Redbubble.com uh, slash, I 
think it's just Canary Cry Radio. Go check it out. Again, thank everybody so much for your support this year and all the years of Canary Cry Radio. It's uh, honestly blown us away, and it's um, it's really been a, I don't know, it's been a lifesaver, actually, many times. Your guys' support has... Um, really not just kept this show going, but also kept food in Kanza's baby's belly and a roof over my head and wet food for the cats. Oh, yeah. Perfect. We've been blessed. We've been very blessed, and you guys are a huge blessing to us. And if you'd like to uh, support the show financially, we've got some new payment structures coming out, so keep an eye out for that. Um, CanaryCryRadio.com slash support. Maybe we should put our... Uh, we got to put our cryptocurrency accounts on there so people can send us that bitcoin baby <laughs> i don't know maybe yeah people can start sending us point zero 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 what how many yeah. zeros one bitcoin and that'll be like four zeros is reasonable yeah yeah no, that's good but you, th- that donation can grow when you give right. it give us <laughs> or, cryptocurrency. Or go to zero one or the other <laughs> your five dollar bitcoin donation can become seven dollars it'll be great right um anyways okay there you go uh anything else guns am i forgetting anything i think that's it okay that's it everybody and if you're new to the show thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this and if you have not yet gone to facebook and liked our page facebook.com slash canary cry radio uh you can like the page there and get all the news and all the episodes and all the merch and all the fun stuff coming out all the time Gons, do you have any new projects you want to plug while we're at it? Um, I, I kind of want to keep it on the hush-hush right now for that. Oh, hush-hush new projects. Even, even though I think we've already, I think I've mentioned it prior, but yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, if you guys haven't checked out my other podcast, The Joy Spiracy Theory, if all this talk of aliens and government uh, black ops, black budget projects, and all the Nephilim scary things have got you down. Uh, you can head over to thejoyspiracytheory.com or find it on your podcast. That's thejoyspiracytheory.com. Wait, nope, no .com if you're just looking for the podcast. But uh, it's just a place where people like you and me and all our listeners get together, tell our testimonies, talk about um, how to stay how to stay joyful in this world that uh, has so many funky things going on. Um, So go check that out. Okay, I think it's time to land the plane. What do you say? Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to tune in next time. But until you do, think outside the cage. (laughs) 